0: Welcome, We are so excited to have you here with us this morning. If you're new here today, we want to get connected with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen. Here at MVCC there are so many opportunities to serve. So go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so you can see where God's calling you and get involved. This morning, we're going to start off our service by worshiping. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time. Of course he came and broke them down. He broke them down. There were chains around us in my We are back tonight satisfied As we conclude the music portion of our service this morning, we want to continue to worship by giving. We've tried to make this as easy as possible, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website to give. We are ready to hear what Pastor Mike has to say through his word this morning, so let's jump on in.
1: Hey everyone, good to be together again at Mission Vale Christian Church around the word. If you've been with us for a little while, you know that we've been in a series which I've entitled Dangerous. It's just simply a study through the letter of Philippians. The reason that I call this dangerous is when I read this letter by the author, the Apostle Paul, he lived such a dangerous life, meaning that he lived according to the ways of Jesus because he was a follower of Christ, which was so contrary to the world and so contrary to the culture that he became very dangerous to the enemy and became very dangerous to the ways of life uh, in the culture that he lived in. But his life wasn't intentionally living dangerous. He was simply living intentionally the way Jesus called us to live, hopefully to attract more and more people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he really writes this letter in that context about having joy in your life and living purposefully, and we'll get right to it. So um, in this third chapter that we're in, in the middle of the book, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And right here, he he really focuses in on a word and a concept uh, that we're calling confident. Um, You know, it's interesting, in our culture... Um, if you're a parent or would-be parent or maybe grandparent, um, from the time our kids are little, we teach them, hey, be confident, confident in yourself, confident in your own abilities, having confidence in your self-esteem. And um, when Paul wrote this letter, the word confident, which we're going to read in just a moment, was a whole different context, which we'll look at. Confidence wasn't confidence in self, God. And we're going to look at how to live a life that's much more confident. Um, there's a couple of scriptures I just wanted to read that Paul uh, wrote in other places that just give us a, a broader context of, of where we want to go on um, this morning. Philippians 1.6, 6, Paul reminds the people. He says, this being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion through the day of Christ Jesus. Um, he wrote to the, uh, uh, the people in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, he writes, Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. And then Hebrews ten nineteen, 19, um, the writer writes to the people of that day, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So I think we can... Gather, when we read those verses, and we're going to read the Philippians uh, 3 passage here, it's never confidence in self. I don't read in any of those verses the word self. It's about confidence in God. I just remember, um, we can have you know a false sense of confidence, maybe by the way that we've grown up or personality or whatever. When I got saved, man, when I met Jesus for the very first time, He just radically changed my whole life. I remember sitting in a room with about 300 other high school students, The guy gets up, gives the gospel message, tells his story, how he came to Jesus. Man, I gave my life to Jesus right on the spot. He so internally changed my life. I mean, my whole world was different. It was awesome. And I remember back in those days, man, for like the first three weeks, I just remembered having this thought, man, if if I could just conquer over this one sin in my life, I'll have this thing wired. I mean, I really thought that. I thought that if I could conquer over this one habit, this sin that I had, um, that I would be able to conquer over everything. It was, it was such a false self, self, such a false sense of confidence in myself, I think just, you know, being raised in South County, we're taught that way. And it's so contrary to what the Bible teaches and where um, Paul wanted us to go here in the third chapter of of Philippians. So um, even some of the apostles, I'm thinking of Peter, had a self-confidence or confidence in self when he said, Lord, I'll never leave you. Lord, I'll never deny you. And it's so easy for us to fall into that. Oh, my kids would never do that. Or I'll, I'll never fall into that sin. Oh, that'll never happen to me. And so as we read here in just a second, Paul is saying, Man, watch out. I, I want to give you a warning so they don't you don't trip up over your own self-confidence, but I want you to live in confidence in God so let's read um, Philippians 3 1 through 11 and then we'll get into it he says this further my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you so I want you to watch out for those dogs those evildoers those mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision we who serve God by his Spirit, we who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, man, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day uh, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as zeal, persecuting the church as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And here's what I love, verse 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He gets right into it and says, look, I want you guys to rejoice in the Lord. I don't want you to forget that. I want the internal joy you have of knowing God and the security of knowing that whatever happens, chaos, problems, circumstances that fall by the wayside, crises, whatever it is, you can rejoice in the Lord always. I want that joy to be in your heart. And he begins here in in verse 1 reminding us of that. You know, it's kind of an interesting little thing here that I, I just believe that Christians should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. That doesn't mean that we're always have a false sense of happiness. Happiness is about happy in circumstances. Joy comes from the inside of knowing God, knowing who He is, knowing who we are, and knowing where we're going. And when we have that joy on the inside, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. That's something that's very attractive uh, from the world when they look at the church, when they look at people of Christ. Billy Sunday, who was one of the most popular, amazing preachers back in the day, he was kind of the uh, Billy Graham of his day. He played center field for the White Sox, got radically saved. He found Jesus in his life. He actually became an evangelist. He went from professional baseball player to an evangelist, much like Billy Graham. And here's what he said. I love it. He said, don't look as if your Christianity hurts you, man. I think what he was saying is, look, if you got a frown on your face all the time, or it's doom and gloom, or you always, you know, just have a downcast kind of attitude, that's not going to be attractive for people who are looking for hope. We should reflect the joy that's in our heart and I I know that's what Paul is wanting so much for the people of God look I want you to remember this because there are people who are going to be what we're going to call here joy suckers man they're like a huge syringe they want to just suck the joy out of you now he wasn't saying man be aware of those drug dealers out there be aware be aware of those liberals. Be aware of people who are different from you politically or racially. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about people from the inside of religion that were very dangerous to the cause of Jesus Christ. That's why he names them dogs, those mutilators of the flesh, those men who do evil. Now, that's kind of funny in our day to read those words, but we always want to read the Bible in context It's not saying that the Bible's against having dogs or domestic animals. In fact, back in the day, in biblical days, um, dogs were not kept like domestic animals. Uh, Many of them would roam the streets. They were like scavengers. In fact, the Greek uh, rendering for dogs, there's scavenger, uh, one who steals, mangy. Um, That's kind of the idea is that these people from the inside of religion were throwing the believers in Philippi into confusion because they were saying, hey, you guys need to be following all these rules, man. You need to be circumcised. You need to do the letter of the law. You need to be faultless. You can't just be accepting Jesus and thinking that that's going to do it for you. It's not just the work of Christ on the cross. Man, it's so much more that you have to follow. And that's where the confusion comes. You know, if there's one thing the devil, the enemy, wants to do is to stir up the unity in God's church by bringing disunity through confusion. Remember, The enemy is always the author of confusion. God is the God of unity. And so I I, I just want to throw out a strong warning for us here in the same spirit that Paul is saying is watch out for those inside. It was the Jewish people who became Christian that were telling the Gentiles, hey, you guys can't be in our church. You guys can't be in the Philippian church, you can't be in our fellowships, you can't come to our home groups, our life groups, until you've done all the Jewish rules and laws. And I think the most dangerous thing about that is this, they were basically teaching people and throwing people into confusion that the work of Christ on the cross to save us from destruction, from hell, to be able to go to heaven built on God's grace and His mercy and love was not enough through the work of Christ. It was much more than that is required. And that is simply not the gospel. So that means no mercy, no grace, no joy. Have you ever noticed people who are very religious, they grew up with religion, Maybe for some folks who have just in this legalistic kind of of, of context in their life where it was all about rules and regulations and doing this right and not doing that right and following these rules that had nothing to do even with what the Bible says, they're the most miserable people on the face of the earth. And that's what Paul didn't want. He did not want the church to become... This place where they were sour grapes, like they had been baptized in vinegar or something. They always had a frown or, or, or on their face that just was not attractive. I think Paul was definitely trying to, as he's writing here through the Holy Spirit, he was trying to bring a little bit of shock value. Watch out for those dogs, those mutilators of the flesh. They just want to tear you apart spiritually. It's an interesting thing about shock value. Sometimes that works. Those of you who might be uh, parents or grandparents, you know, sometimes that's effective. Makes me think of something I heard recently about some junior high girls that were going into the bathroom and they would put on all this lipstick and then they would press their lips against the mirror and they would do this day after day and just make a mess in there. The principal found out what was going on and he said, hey girls, you guys need to stop doing that. That's against the school rules. You can't do that. You're messing up the mirrors. Our custodian has to go in and clean it up. You guys need to stop. Well, they didn't stop. So he... Thought, well, the way to solve this problem is he told all the girls, I want you to meet me at lunchtime inside of that bathroom. And he brought the custodian in. And he said to the custodian, let's show the girls how we clean the mirror off of the mess that they made. So he took out this long squeegee, the custodian did. He dipped it in the toilet water. And then he began to wash off all the lipstick off of the mirror. And I just love that because the girls obviously would never, ever press their lips against that mirror again. Sometimes shock value is worthy. Sometimes it shocks us into what is right or wrong and going down the right road. I think that's what Paul was doing. He wasn't trying to scare them. He was just trying to bring the reality of, hey, don't be following these people who are so-called religious, but they don't have Jesus. They don't have me in their heart. They don't have Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in their heart. Paul says, hey, man, if you want to do this comparison game, I can do this. As we read here in this text, if someone else thinks in verse... uh, Verse number four, if anyone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have much more. And he goes through a litany of things. He was, Man, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I could follow the law. I knew people. I knew people in high places. I was a teacher of the law. In fact, I was so good, they would pick me out out of the Pharisaical group, and they would send me to find out where the Christians were to either kill them or to put put them into prison. But something happened to me, Paul says a bright light. I was on my horse and Jesus spoke to me out of the heavens. I fell off my horse. I was blind for three days, man. I, I met Jesus for the first time in my life and my life was radically changed. He took me off my high horse. I, I, I think Paul is saying that here, not to puff himself up, but he's saying, I want you to look, man, if, if there's anybody who could put confidence in self and abilities and accomplishments, that's me. But that's not the way we live anymore. We don't live following the confidence that we have in things or people or what we've done. Our confidence is simply in Him. It's in God. And so I love Paul's passion. I love his focus. I love that it's strong teaching. I love that it's clarity. I just like teaching that's clear to the point. Here's what we know where we need to go and let's move. And Paul is using himself as an example here to the people. Hey, look, you don't have to live the way you used to live. Let's live the way Jesus wants us to live, having confidence in God. So really what he says here in verses 7 through 9 is, Hey, man, I lost my confidence. You ever said that? You ever felt that way? Man, I lost my confidence. You know, in one sense, that's the best thing that can happen to us is that we lose our confidence in ourself. And now we put our confidence in him alone. So I found, just walking with Jesus for the last 30 plus years, that when I try to put confidence in self, or I slip back into that old ways, that old Mike, I stumble, I fall, I get frustrated. Seems like things aren't happening. I can't produce fruit in my life. I can't do what Christ called me to do because I'm stumbling over myself. But when I put my confidence in Him and let Him flow through me through the Holy Spirit and let Him do the work and trust Him. For the completion of the work that God wants to do, it just flows. I think that's what Paul is wanting the people to know throughout this book. He says over and over and over again, rejoice, have joy to advance the gospel. Advance the gospel in somebody else's life. And so the comparison game is something we, we can easily fall into that. We can compare ourselves to what school we went to with somebody else. We can feel inferior or we can feel superior. We can look at somebody else's spouse and compare our spouse to their spouse or someone that we're dating. Um, It could go on and on, job, position, titles. Paul says, don't do that, man. I play that game. It doesn't work. In fact, it's exhausting. But when we're able to internally rest in the confidence of knowing God personally, that you are accepted, that you are loved by God, that you've already been forgiven of all your sins, it makes us want to follow Jesus and keep our confidence in Him. So what do we do? How do we do this? Well, number one, I think it's really clear. Paul is saying, don't put confidence in self. we got to stop doing that. So every time I find myself, this is an action point, when I find myself starting to lift myself up, rely on my own accomplishments, rely on some so-called gifting that I think I have. Man, I got I to gotta resist that. And remember, it's, if there's anything good that comes from my life, it's simply Jesus. I think the second thing he says is, don't play the comparison game, man. Just don't do it. Isn't it easy, you know, especially here in South County, to do that? I mean, there's so much distraction and materialism, and possessions, and titles, and job, and money, and all these things. It's even the cars that we drive. We can get into this comparison game, and it's just a losing battle. We never win. So, question is, what do we do? We know what we shouldn't do. Now, what should we do? I think it's simple, because he says here, I love this. I love it. It's my favorite two verses in the book. Paul's heart, his passion. Look, man, all I want to know is God. I want to know Him more intimately. And I want to know the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want that in my life. Not only does he say that, but he says, Look, even if I have to suffer for the sake of knowing Jesus, persecution, famine, uh, thrown in prison, falsely accused, uh, gone without food, lose all my money, lose my reputation. If you think about all the things that the writer of this letter went through, and yet he's still saying, look, the passion of my life is to know God intimately. And I want others to step into relationship with him. So question is, if you're listening to this or watching this today, yeah, man, I'm with you. I want to seek God like Paul. I want to know Christ intimately. Here's a question I have. Are we willing to suffer? Are we willing to go through difficulty to become closer to God? So I think of Matthew 6, Jesus said this seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you if we seek god first he'll take care of the rest doesn't mean that we shouldn't have ambition doesn't mean we shouldn't want to better ourselves or do better at our job or school or 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 whatever it is it it doesn't mean we just kind of just well whatever happens happens the more that we seek god i believe he brings open doors and he closes doors and he takes care of our life so question is, how do we do that? Well, he says here, the righteousness that comes from God, it comes from God. When we position ourselves in a relationship with Christ, meaning when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, which Paul wrote that letter, he said, look, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and that he would pour his righteousness into us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we would become the righteousness of God. Really what he's saying is when we accept Christ, he pours his righteousness onto us, which is amazing. It's like it's too good to be true, but that's the wonder of the gospel. So how do we do this? How do we seek God? Real simple, accept Christ now. This might be your day. Give your life to Jesus. And it's simple as giving your heart to the Lord. Say, Lord, I've sinned. I give my life to you. I surrender my life. I'm sorry. Come into my life. I want to live for you now. I commit my life. It's that simple. And we do that. We would love to help you at MVCC when you make that decision. Second is this. For those who may be desiring to seek God, rejoice, man. Rejoice in the Lord no matter what happens. That's the first order of business. Enjoy and my, my understanding is that's a choice. We can choose to be joyful, or we can choose to be a mess. And God wants us to choose to rejoice in Him. I found um, these other principles are helpful. To be in the Word daily, some kind of routine to get in that Word, get the Word of God in my mind and my heart daily. A consistent worship of God. That's why God says, Don't give up the gathering together of saints as some are in the habit of doing. He says in Hebrews, look, I want you to continue to worship me. You were created to worship me. Third is to fellowship with other believers. Be around believers. Be in a life group. Get in one of those small groups at MVCC. And and the fourth is building up our prayer life. Having a daily prayer and learning to pray through things that we're struggling with, people that we're praying for. I like to keep like a prayer journal that just helps keep me on focus of, of staying in a routine prayer life. I think the other part is just developing a lifestyle of serving. That's what Paul was doing, man. He was always serving somebody else. We want you to be on team here at Mission Vale Christian Church and serving others wherever we may, we may find ourselves. And the last one is sharing our faith story. Paul always looked for an opportunity to share his faith story. Look, this is what I was. This is what Jesus did in my life. And this is what I'm doing now. And I'd much rather live for Jesus. I never want to go back to the old life. So confidence in him and not in self. Hey, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the clarity of your word. Thank you, God, for helping us, teaching us, encouraging us about what real confidence is and how to be confident in you, Lord. We love you. We thank you, God, for this time. And we look forward to when we can gather together again next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'd love to see you back here next week. And know that we always have uh, outdoor service at 10 a.m. every Sunday. God bless.